Welcome to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this week's encouraging message. For more information, please visit kingofglorycc.com. All right. If you would, Ephesians 4, 11, 12, and he himself, that's Jesus, gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. And of course, two words that, that I would highlight there, one is evangelist, imagine that, and then the other one is edify and equip also, it's three words. And so I hope that today's message in some way leaves you a little bit more equipped than you were when you came in. You know, when you get a driver's license, you're getting equipped to drive a car, right? But what if you got a driver's license and you never drove? What would be the point of that, right? The same thing if, if you went to an evangelism training class, but you never went out and witnessed, what's the point of that? If I equip you here this morning, but you don't do anything with it, then what would be the point of that? Amen? So... Let's, let's have the frame of mind this morning. How about instead of just learning stuff, how about we do something with it too? Amen? We don't want to just check it off our list. Okay, what's next? All right, on the next slide, um, John 4.35. I share this a lot in the church. Jesus said, do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I tell you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. The church in America especially seems to have a mentality where maybe everybody can get saved later. Maybe when some great evangelist comes into town like Franklin Graham, or maybe uh, when a big revival hits. So let's all just sit on our blessed assurance and wait for that to happen. That way we don't have to talk to anybody about no stinking Jesus. We could just keep our mouth shut and not talk to anybody. And, you know, is that an overjudgment of the church? Well, you know, I keep hearing this statistic over and over and over again from various sources where they do, you know, statistical uh, research asking people of faith, various questions, and they keep coming up with the same answer. About 1% of less of all churchgoers in America go out and share their faith with other people. Is that what Jesus wants? Do we need to sit around and pray for God to do something that we should be doing ourselves? Second Corinthians, this, I don't have a slide for this one, but Second Corinthians 6.2 says, now is the day of salvation. It's not in four months. It's not when some great evangelist comes into town. It's not when revival hits. It's right now. There are people right outside those doors all over this area and all over this world who are lost and on their way to the eternal flames of hell. And guess whose job it is to do something about that? It's us. 
Let's look at the next slide. That's Luke chapter 10, verse 2. Then Jesus said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And a lot of people say they'd like to pray about that. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. We need to pray. Pray in a revival. Let's pray for people to get saved. Let's pray, 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 pray. But now, you know, that was verse 2. Let's also take a look at verse 3. What does that say? Go your way. Oh, the very people he just got through telling them to pray, now he's telling them to do what? Go. Why did he tell them to pray if he was just going to send them? Because they're going to need some help. That's why. So it's not just pray, is it? It's pray and go. We need to pray and we need to go. Likewise, in Matthew chapter 9, we have basically the same thing happening there too. Then Jesus said to his disciples, truly the harvest the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And, of course, that's Matthew 9, 37 to 38. Those are the last two verses in chapter 9. But when you flip the page and you go over to chapter 10, what's the very first thing you see there? He's sending them out. In fact, in, in, when you get to verse 8, there's that, that well-known scripture, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Did you freely receive eternal life from Jesus? Yes. And so what does he want you to freely give? Eternal life, right? Not just church busyness and awesome ministry stuff, but eternal life. All the other stuff is great, too. I'm all for it. But if nobody ever gets saved, then what's the point? 2 Corinthians 5.18. All this is from God. He brought us back to himself through Christ's death on the cross. And he has given us the task of bringing others back to him through Christ. So if you're wondering, well, maybe Jesus was just kind of telling his guys, you know, to do that. He, he's probably not telling the whole church to do that. He's not telling me to do that. Well, what does this say? Who's the, who's the us? He has given us. This is the Apostle Paul writing a letter to the church. Are we the church? Are we the us? So who has the task? of bringing others back to God through Christ. Us, amen? Likewise, the next scripture, Luke chapter 1, verse 23, the first part says, rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. And several versions of the Bible are a little bit more blatant instead of the word judgment that just uses the good old hell. Rescue them from hell. Again, 
this isn't something Jesus said to a couple of guys. This is something written to the New Testament church. This is our job. This is what we're supposed to be all about. We're not just supposed to be about church meetings. Church meetings are awesome. I'm all for it. You know, I'm, I'm an elder of the church. <laughs> I'm all for the church. But we have a purpose. Amen? I, I got an amen on the front row over here. That's good. We're cooking now. All right. You know that Jesus is alive. Can I just share a couple of quick little hot stories? You know, we did baptisms here not that long ago again, and there was one lady, we we were up in the banquet room, and um, she says, I have no cartilage in my knees. I can hardly walk. So I said, well, not for long. And we anointed her with holy oil, and we prayed for her. And she sat down, and she stood up, and she sat down, and she stood up, and she sat down, and she stood up, and she just did that over and over again. She got up and started walking around the room, just like, this is crazy. I can't believe this. I have no pain. Last night, we were at the rehab. Another five people got saved there. We've, we've done six outreaches in the last nine days. We, we do a lot. We preach the gospel. We give invitations. People get saved. It works. And so this lady last night, she came to us at the end after we were done with everything, and, and she said, I was in a terrible car wreck, and um, it, was, it was so traumatic that the bones came out of my legs. And, they, of course, they rushed her to the hospital, and they sewed her back up. And she pulled up her, her pants and showed us all those gigantic scars going up and down her legs and all over her knees and her feet and everything where they put her back together. And she said, in the process of all that, uh, somehow I ended up with one of my legs being shorter than the other. And she's just in a lot of pain. She had back pain. She had, you know, just all kind of pain. And um, I said, are, are you in serious pain right now? She said, oh, yes. I said, when you walk, do you kind of hobble? Because one leg is shorter, she says, oh, yeah. I said, all right, well, not for long. And so we prayed for her, and uh, I said, no. We, she was sitting in the chair. I said, stand up, and let's see how you're doing now. And she gets up and walks around, and she can hardly believe it. There was no pain. I said, are you hobbling any? And she's like, no, it seems like my legs must be the same length now because I can walk straight. Our Jesus is alive. I preach a risen Savior. I'm excited to do anything for him. Years ago when I repented, that's what I said. Jesus, I'll do anything. And uh, he, he knew I was serious. That's the prayer everybody needs to pray at some point. Amen? That, that deep, deep surrender of just like, Jesus, I really don't care anymore about anything. I'm just going to do what you say if it kills me. If I don't make it to next weekend, if I end up dead because I'm doing what you told me to do, I just don't care anymore. I'm going to do it anyway. 
And that's when you'll have joy and power in your life. It will turn your own personal world upside down. And in the process, you'll be turning the rest of the world upside down. Amen? It's all about letting go. All right. So let's get started preaching now. If you would take us to the, the slide after that one. All right. You see there, we've, we've got a caption, and there's some scripture references down at the bottom. Again, if, if I were to share all the scriptures, we would be here for days. And there's a lot I'd like to say about every one of these slides, but again, we would be here for days. So if you really want to figure out is what Dan said, is that really right? Well, I got the printout on the back table. <laughs> you can go look it up for yourself, okay? You know, a lot of people that I deal with, they have this parole mentality. You know how parole works? You're, you're locked up in prison, but maybe you, you do everything right, and they let you out early, and, but then you still have to go to the parole officer like every week, and they're really keeping a close eye on you. You're un under supervision, and uh, if you mess up, guess what happens as soon as you mess up? Right back in the slammer. And people think that salvation works that way. I mean, a lot of people think that. Maybe nobody in this room thinks that, but there's a lot of people in this world who think that. So as you share the gospel with others, you need to make sure they understand that when they get saved, they really get saved. Amen? And so, you know, if, if you get saved and you go out and you sin, are you still saved? Or are you just under parole, and as soon as you mess up, you're back back to hell again? Is that what the Bible says? Can you find any place in your Bible that says as soon as you sin, your, your salvation has now been canceled, and you're back on your way to hell? And yet I run into people all the time that are trying to get saved again. Evangelist Dan, can I get saved again? Well... Let's see now, um, when you got saved the last time, was, was that on a, a permanent basis or temporary? And then they always smile at me, and they kind of roll their eyes a little bit, and they go, it was permanent. Because that's what the Bible says, amen? For God so loved the world, he gave his one only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting life, not temporary life until you just don't feel it anymore. Amen? We're not saved by our feelings. We're saved by believing God's Word. Amen? All right. So when you get saved, you receive a salvation that lasts through all of eternity. It is forever. Jesus gives you eternal life. You get born again or born of the Spirit. Your dead, condemned spirit comes to life, and you are spiritually born. When you get saved, whenever you hear me say that, Randy, hey, Randy, <laughs> whenever you hear me say, when you get saved, we're going to the next slide, okay? <clears throat> so when you get saved, all of your sins are forgiven. Jesus washes you in his own blood, and he takes away all of your sins. He casts all of your sins behind his back. He tramples your sins and buries them in the depths of the sea. 
He removes all of your sins as far as the east is from the west, and you enter into an everlasting blood covenant with God. And he changes your eternal destination from hell to heaven right on the spot. When you get saved, there we go, Jesus delivers you from the powers of darkness. When you get saved, Jesus takes away the veil of unbelief from your heart. When you get saved, Jesus takes away all your shame and cleanses you from a guilty conscience, and he makes you perfect, holy, spotless, blameless, innocent, radiant, without reproach, and he fills you with his goodness and with boldness. When you get saved, the Bible says God made him who had no sin to become sin that we would become the righteousness of God. So when you get saved, you become the righteousness of God. When you get saved, you receive the kingdom of God. Jesus said, fear not, little flock, for it is the Father's great pleasure to give you the kingdom. You become a full-blown citizen of the kingdom of God when you get saved. When you get saved, Jesus fully reconciles and fully restores your relationship with God. Instead of being God's enemy, now you are instantly his friend. You become God's BFF. When you get saved, you get fully, legally, wholeheartedly adopted into the family of God, and you are instantly, fully, and wholeheartedly accepted by God. You instantly become known by God when you get saved. Don't let anybody preach to you and tell you that Matthew chapter 7, 21 through 23 that says, you know, I never knew you. That is never going to apply to you because you got saved. He knew you when you called his name. Amen? The people that he doesn't know are the ones who don't know him because they never called his name. Jesus makes you a full-blown child of God, and he gives you direct access to the Father when you get saved. Man, look at all those scripture references. This is very much condensed and boiled down for you so we can get through it today. When you get saved... You receive a never-ending, mind-blowing, extravagant, rich inheritance from your new father, God. When you get saved, Jesus justifies you, and he glorifies you, and he sanctifies you. When you get saved, Jesus takes the curse that was on you, and he puts it on himself, and he gives you his peace and his blessing. When you get saved, Jesus writes your name in the Lamb's book of life. When you get saved, Jesus clothes you with the garments of salvation, and he arrays you in a robe of his righteousness. When you get saved, 
You are purchased by the blood of Jesus. You become property of Jesus Christ. You are his. The devil cannot have you. He sets his seal of ownership upon you. He puts his spirit in your heart, and he guarantees you are his, and he makes you the temple of the Holy Spirit, and he lives in you. When you get saved, Jesus makes you a royal priest to reign with Christ forever. When you get saved, Jesus redeems you. You belong to Jesus in the beginning, but when you fell into sin, the devil got your soul. But one day you called on his name, Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. I'm calling your name, Jesus. Don't let me go to hell. Jesus, wash me in your blood. Jesus, fill me with your spirit. Jesus, write my name in the Lamb's book of life just like that criminal hanging on the cross next to Jesus. You know, Jesus was not having a good day, right? He was a bloody piece of meat nailed to a piece of wood right in front of everybody in town. And this guy says, yeah, but I need something. I know you're not having a good day, but, you know, I'd like to go to heaven too. Would that be all right? Jesus says, you will be with me in paradise today. Amen? Jesus saves. He redeems us. When you're redeemed, that means you were returned to your original owner. Jesus is your original owner. That's what redeemed means. You were his, and then you were not his, and then you called his name, and now you're his forever, and the devil cannot have you. He might mess with you, but you've got the greater one living in you. Amen? When you get saved, you are also automatically enrolled for free legal services provided by the law firm, Jesus, Jesus, and Jesus. The Bible says Jesus becomes your advocate. Jesus becomes your defense attorney. Attorney. For eternity, how about that? When you get saved, Jesus instantly seats us in the heavenly realms. I still haven't figured out what that means yet, but I think there's a whole lot more going on than we can see, amen? That's like some of that Bob Jones stuff. We don't know what's going on. I had a dream about that one time, and I was, I was seated in the heavenly realm, and my body was on earth. And I woke up, and I was like, man, that was kind of weird. <laughs> when you get saved, Jesus gives you a new mind. He takes away your heart of stone, and he gives you a heart of flesh. He gives you a new heart, and he gives you a new spirit. When you get saved, Jesus gives you a new purpose, a new calling, a new vision, a new anointing, and a new destiny. When you get saved, Jesus makes you a whole new creation. 
Jesus makes all things new for you. When you get saved, the devil who tormented you gets put under your feet. When you get saved, you become inseparable from the love of God. When you get saved, all your children are marked for salvation. Hebrews, or not Hebrews, Proverbs 11.21, the seed of the righteous shall be saved. Does that mean that your children are automatically going to get saved? No. But, man, they're going to have a hard time getting into hell. Jesus is going to grab them kicking and screaming all the way into heaven. They may not like Jesus, but he's going to make them like him. If you got lost ones in your family that you're praying for, and they're your kids, man, they're in a load of trouble. Jesus is going after them. When you get saved, every promise of God becomes yes and amen for you. Does that mean, you know, suddenly every all the miracles are going to? No, right? You got to know what the promise is, and you got to pray it in. Amen? But the answer is already yes for you. When you get saved, every bad thing in your past gets turned into a blessing. You see, your past becomes your testimony. That's what you're going to use to give the stinking devil a black eye because you're going to show everybody what Jesus has delivered you out of. And maybe you've got some things you've been delivered from and some things you haven't been delivered from, but you can tell everybody, I know he's delivered me from that, so I know he's going to deliver me from this as well because I'm his. Amen? So you don't have to wait till you're all fixed to start testifying. When you get saved, you become victorious in Christ. You're not a loser. You're a winner in him. When you get saved, you become blessed and highly favored. When you get saved, you get love, joy, peace, patience, righteousness in the Holy Spirit. And when you get saved, you get a spirit of power. You get a spirit of boldness. You get a spirit of love and a spirit of a sound mind. When you get saved, you receive authority to be an ambassador for Christ and to advance the kingdom of God. Well, that's a lot of stuff. You know, you just got some sinner walks up to the altar, repeats some little prayer, and all that stuff happens in less than one second. Kaboom. It's a joy to share the gospel message. Just this year alone, we've had 240 people have that all these things in their lives. Jesus saved me. Kaboom. In less than one second, everything we talked about just now happened for each one of them. So that's why my favorite word is great because it's great to share the simple, simple gospel message. It's great to see Jesus showing up and confirming that his message is the message. 
with signs and wonders and miracles and various manifestations of the Holy Spirit. It's a joy to serve Jesus. I know I used to be, many years ago, terrified out of my mind at the very thought of telling anybody about Jesus. Well, maybe I still do it scared, <laughs> but I do it, and it's a joy, and it, I would never stop. I'm addicted to it now. You know, that's how addictions work, right? You, you reach for some drugs or some alcohol or something, and it gives you a temporary fake joy. But when you grab a hold of Jesus and you start doing life with him and you go out to do the harvest field with him, you experience authentic joy, amen? Then you don't need any of that other stuff. I got authentic joy. My favorite word is great for a reason. It's awesome to serve the Lord. It's awesome to share the gospel message. It's awesome to see a gazillion things happen to somebody as soon as they say, Jesus saved me. And they may not feel any of that happening. They may not see any of that happening. But if God says it's all happening, is it happening? Yeah. Yeah. So they have the rest of their life to read the Bible and get caught up on what just happened to their spirit. Amen? You know, you have, you have a, a spirit, but you don't just have a spirit. You are a spirit. First and foremost, you are a spirit. That flesh that you live in is your temporary address. You're going to trade it in for something better later. But now that's where you live. And your flesh, it has its own agenda. It wants to do what it wants to do. It craves this and wants that. Man, if I could just have some of this, if I could just do that, and you know, right? That's, that's the flesh. It's always craving and wanting something. It may be something that's good for you. It may be something that's not good for you, but that's what the flesh does 24-7, 365. Gimme, gimme, gimme. I got to have something, right? But your spirit is what Jesus saved when, when you called on his name. It's your spirit that's going to heaven, not your flesh. That's why churches, a lot of churches have cemeteries, right? Because one day, your body will die, and somebody's going to dig a hole and toss it in, and you'll be done with your body. You'll be done with the flesh. So we need to get with the spirit program, amen? We need, we need to be in the spirit, as, as you heard others sharing this morning, be in the spirit and not in the flesh. Then you will know him better, and you will make him known better, amen? So I'm, I'm glad that this church is a church of the spirit. You can feel the Spirit in this room every time you come in. And the inmates, you know, that come here, like for baptism, see, they, they don't have this. But they come into my service, and they're blown away as soon as they walk in the door at the chapel. There's like something that they've never experienced before or something they've never experienced for a really long time. And the same thing when they come here to our church to be baptized, they they can't stop talking about it when they get back to the prison. 
because it's the most glorious thing they've ever experienced. And they brag on you all a lot, by the way, because you make them really feel loved and really accepted. One of the ladies who came and got baptized this last time, I didn't even notice this until she pointed it out later, but she had these all these needle marks up and down her arms. I mean, she was majorly scarred on her arms, and she couldn't find a, a shirt with long sleeves to wear to church. And so she was feeling like, man, I bet everybody's going to judge the living daylights out of me at that church when I get over there to get baptized because look at all this stuff on my arms. Man, they're going to all see that. None of us saw that. She had to point it out to us back when we were up in the banquet room. And then she said, man, nobody cares. They just loved me. They just made me feel loved and so welcome. And then she stood up in front of, you know, a big portion of the prison in our chapel service and told everybody how loved and accepted that she felt. And she really encouraged everybody to come and get baptized at King of Glory. You know, this this last time we were at the prison, um, you know, I always have them fill out their communication cards. And one of the ladies wrote um, that she had heard about these baptisms when she was in another prison over in Raleigh. Everybody over there was talking it up about King of Glory's baptisms. And she said she'd been praying for a whole year that God would send her to this prison so she could end up in that tank right there. Now, you know, water and religion isn't going to help anybody. But the Holy Spirit and the presence of Jesus changes people's lives. What a joy it is to be a part of a body where Jesus uses all of us together to create that experience for these people who are so broken, so traumatized. Everything in the world that you can imagine has been done to somebody has happened to the ladies that you see here that come for baptism. We're going to do that again this coming week. We usually do the last Sunday of the week or the month, but we're doing it the Sunday before the last this time because of something that's going on at prison. I don't know what we'll have, but we've got we've got five sponsors signed up to bring them, and we'll we'll have five ladies one way or the other. I, I never know how many are gonna, I'm going to get for baptism, but we'll have some. And uh, you know, just know that when you see them over here getting wet, there's a whole lot more going on. Amen. They're having the. They always tell me when they leave at the end of the day, they're getting in the car, getting ready to go back to the prison. I had the best day of my whole life today. What a ministry. You know, if there's anybody here today that you'd like to help make that happen for somebody, come see me or Jennifer today because there's an orientation coming up on October the 22nd. And, uh, Wave at us, Barbara, with both hands. Yay! She's going to come and do that. And we're, we're excited about having Barbara join the team. I had to raise both hands because the Lord healed her frozen shoulder in our School of the Spirit uh, meeting the other night. 
she she can only raise her arm up about that much. And so I prayed for her. I said, how's that? And she's like, man, we need to do that again. So we, we prayed again, didn't we? And and next thing you know, her, her arm's all the way up. Praise God. All right. Can I pray for you? Let's bow our heads. Jesus, there's so much that happens when we get saved that we can't even wrap our heads around it. There's so much stuff that happens when we get saved. Jesus, when you say you're going to make all things new, you're not kidding. Wow. And there's so much more than we even talked about. We'd be here for days. Thank you, Lord, that you have saved us. And thank you, Lord, that you've given us the task of bringing others to salvation. Thank you, Lord, for a spirit of boldness. Thank you, Lord, that we're not stuck being afraid to share our faith because we have the greater one, the Holy Spirit living in us. And no matter how afraid our flesh is, our spirit is stronger because we've got you. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the boldness, the unction, and the power to say yes to you when everything, every cell in our body says, no, don't do it. Thank you, Lord, that we can overcome fear by knowing you, loving you, and serving you. Thank you, Lord, that you have tasked us with turning this whole world upside down. Thank you, Lord, that the power of the Holy Spirit is so great in every believer that any believer can be just like the Apostle Paul who turned his whole known world completely upside down because he was just a believer, a believer with a lot of excuses like, oh, I can't go to that town because I used to go there and round up people and put them to death. You choose the least likely. You choose the ordinary. Thank you, Jesus, that you choose us. You chose those fishermen at the beach instead of going to the University of Jerusalem to get the best and the brightest. You choose ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And Lord, there's nothing more extraordinary than leading just one person to Christ. There's nothing more extraordinary than the privilege of sharing the most glorious news in the whole universe. That glorious news that we're going to be shouting about in heaven throughout the eons of the infinite eternity ahead of us. Thank you, God. I pray your Holy Spirit will give every person in this room a new measure of boldness. A new measure of boldness. And if you if you want to receive that, just tell the Lord in your heart. Just give him a yes right now. You don't have to shout anything. <laughs> you don't have to raise your hand. But just give him that yes. Yes, Lord. I want that boldness. I want that boldness that you put on Peter after he denied the Lord three times because he was afraid. But then he went in Acts chapter 2 and boldly stood in front of everybody in town and practically dared them to crucify him. And he was going to preach that message if it was the last thing he ever got to do. 
God, give us that kind of boldness. God, cause us to completely unglue from everything that we think is safe and let us glue ourselves to your will and your purposes for our lives. God, there are Christians all over the world who are being slaughtered, martyred, killed, destroyed just because they won't renounce their faith in you. God, thank you, Lord, that we have the freedom in this country to make you known without being slaughtered for it, for being imprisoned for it. Thank you, God, that we can go into the streets. We can go into the prisons. We can go wherever, God, a door opens for each one of us. We can go and get in front of a real, live, lost person who's on their way to hell and share the most glorious news that God loves them with an unconditional, infinite love, and he wants them with him forever. Thank you, Jesus. God, we just ask your blessing on everybody in this room, on this whole church, this whole congregation, and on Sam and Eliza as they're traveling. And we ask, Lord, that the riches of heaven pour out over this church family, that you bring greater unity, greater purpose, greater fire, greater boldness, a greater move of the Holy Spirit in our midst. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for listening to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. Connect with us on Instagram at KOG underscore Asheville and on Facebook at facebook.com slash KOG Asheville.